Hey guys, welcome to You Got This, The Journey. I'm your host, Shannon Andrus. I'm on a journey right now to become the absolute best version of me. I want to find ways that I can improve mentally, physically, and spiritually. So every week, I'm going to open up about my journey and talk about tips and tricks of what's working for me and what's not working for me. I'll also be interviewing guests who will share their stories too. Together, we will inspire one another to become the absolute best versions of ourselves. So join me every week on this journey. And remember, you got this. Journeyers, journeyers, journeyers. It's your host, Shannon, and I am uh, not really feeling myself coming on the mic today. It's been a bit of a rough week. But I'm excited for you to hear this interview that I have with my friend Becky because she is amazing. She is hysterical. She makes me laugh. She is so knowledgeable. And I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation. So let me just give you my journey update. And luckily, you don't have to hear a full episode of me in this like gloomy voice (laughs) because you're going to hear a conversation during a time when I was doing much better with my friend Becky. But I'm coming on here because I want to keep it real and I do want to talk about the journey this week because I think a lot of times I come on here and it's maybe a great week. Things are going good. I'm energized. I'm feeling great. And um, it's not always like that. It's not. There's a lot of shit that happens in life where it's not always perfect. And that was exactly what this week was. I unfortunately lost somebody in my family who of course we care very much about and it wasn't expected and it's just definitely something very difficult. And then during this week too, like I've just seen a lot of friends going through very difficult times and going through tragedies and look, I don't want to go into that. And I feel like I've talked enough when like I've gone through a death in a family, how that affects me and like what goes through my head. So I don't want to focus on that, but this week has just felt very heavy in that way. And, and life is heavy at points, you know, where tragedies happen and things aren't perfect. And you see people going through horrible things where this whole everything happens for a reason thing feels like such bullshit because we see all this bad that could be happening. And it's scary. It's depressing. There's so much anger. I mean, I know for me, there's a lot of anger where I just don't understand why this has to happen and feels like life isn't fair. You know what I mean? But Something else that comes out of these moments that I want to talk about in today's intro because I am trying to find some good out of of uh, the scary, horrible shit that happens in the world is, um, you know, the good I, c- I can find in it is that I think these moments really shake us to our core in a good way. Like, I, it, it sucks how you have to be shaken, but I think we do have to be shaken because... I think that every day until something like this happens, I think we so often are taking life for granted. And I was talking to one of my good friends about this who is going through a tough time right now too. And we were just saying like, it's these moments that shake you and make you realize that it's really not a big deal if your coffee order was incorrect or if you spilled something. Or if I'm upset about that I'm a little bit more overweight than I've been in the past or you know this whole health journey that I'm on, it makes you feel like none of this shit freaking matters. None of it. 
I've seen people's lives be turned on a dime and it just is heartbreaking, but it makes you realize like, why am I bitching and complaining about these things? I don't know. And I know that like, there's the side of it where, you know, you shouldn't compare and everyone's feelings are valid. But at the same time, I think myself and I think all of us need to start being a lot more grateful for what we have. You know, like when I sit here and complain that I'm having a hard time losing weight and I'm working out so much, like be lucky that you can work out every day. Be lucky that you get to move your body. So what, you don't have a six pack? Like boo freaking who? There's so much worse that could be happening and, and, and so much that is out of our control that these little things that we're letting eat up so much for our emotion, our confidence and how we feel about ourselves, like enough, you know, just take, just embrace what you can do. And it's, it's really crazy the way that this week played out with like the timing of today's podcast episode and everything going on, because I think this is a big piece in what I talk about with Becky and stoicism, which she educates me about in this interview. And you're going to hear about, but it's pretty much this, this concept of what we all know is like quote unquote positive or, um, uh, oh my God, I can't think right now. My brain is so fried. Um, toxic positivity is the word. Gosh, sorry guys. I'm all over the place, but toxic positivity where we have to, you know, accept the bad that's happening and find the good, but she, she breaks it down in a way where it doesn't feel like such bullshit. And that's really the best way I could describe it because I'm not as educated in this topic as she is, and she does a much better job of explaining it. But for me, that's what it feels like is that this toxic positivity where we're supposed to, you know, be able to move on and enjoy everything in life and, and not focus on the bad instead of it feeling like that is fake and it doesn't feel right to me. She talks about it in a way that I think is going to be really relatable for you guys. But I think that's like with a lot of this stuff is like, yeah, can I be focusing on where I'm struggling and like being mad at myself? Sure. But I can also embrace and feel empowered by, by what I can do. So that's where I'm at this week. Um, you know, and also like I, in those times of things going on, I just don't give a shit anymore. I kind of stopped prioritizing myself in ways too, where like, instead of me fueling my body and thinking of like, what's going to be the best for me, I'm just like going down this really bad rabbit hole of just comfort food in it out. But I don't even care. I'm not going to apologize for that or place shame on myself because I think in that moment, like I needed that to just like give myself a bit of grace and freedom to just like sit in the shit and like let be what was going to be, you know? So, you know, it's not the best week. It's not, is not the best week. I have had a lot of heavy emotions sitting on this and I'm trying to get back on track. Just, you know, find how we can be better going forward because when things like this happen, you know, life doesn't stop. Your life doesn't stop. I know for a lot of us, it feels like when these tragedies happen that the world should stop. Like we should all be able to freeze time and just focus on this one thing, but it's not the case. You know, for all of us, there's, there's a job, there's a person, there's a thing that's requiring our attention. At some point we have to return to it. And so I think I'm just finding myself getting back into the routine and, and also just trying not to sit too much into these negative thoughts of like, you know, imagining myself in these situations and, and knowing that inevitably we 
will all lose somebody. I mean, this is just such a depressing fucking intro. I, <laughs> I know this is really depressing. I don't mean to trigger anybody. Like, I don't mean to have this be an anxiety ridden conversation about death and things, but I just hope that we all can hug the ones around us a bit tighter, be more present and do things that make us happy without something like this having to shake us to our core, you know? All right. So with that, I want you to listen to Becky's episode all about stoicism and her you know, view on life. And I want you to learn from her and really start to apply this because I think this is a way that we can find the good without feeling too much bullshit. All right, here it is. All right. Hello, my journeyers, and welcome to another episode of You Got This, The Journey. I'm your host, Shannon Andrus. And with me today, I have I'm not even just saying this, probably the funniest person I ever met on Clubhouse with me on my podcast. She is a goat raising mental health advocate, stoic enthusiast. I can't think of any other words. Becky, thank you so much for joining me on our podcast today. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. I have to say, I giggled because when you said goat raising, I, I heard goat racing and I was like, oh my God, I didn't think about doing that. I'm just like, my mind started going like, I get these goats and races. You probably are chasing goats a lot. I'd imagine. I I am. I was just having them chase me today because I was carrying their big bag to feed down like the 400 foot driveway and they were just like shooting down the pasture to get me. So um, a lot of goat chasing happening. But yeah, next up is goat racing. That is going to be my next attempt. I've inspired a new level of entrepreneurship for you. (laughs) This is something you are bringing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I was, it's so funny. I was thinking today about our interview and I'm not kidding when I say you are the funniest person that I met on Clubhouse. And I would be so annoyed with myself if I didn't share this story and give the listeners an idea of who you are. So we were in a Clubhouse room and it was a room about like, should you tell your kids that their dreams are not going to happen? Or should you let them like believe their dreams are going to happen and encourage them to go for it? And you told a story that your daughter said, mommy, I want to be a police officer. And you were like, well, why do you want to be a police officer? And you were telling everybody that you should ask questions, not give a dead answer of like, yes or no. And your daughter said, well, I really want to wear handcuffs. And you were like, sweetie, there's tons of ways that you can wear handcuffs. Just look under my bed. Right. I mean, there's, it's the, oh my God. Um, yeah, my, my children give me so much, so many opportunities, uh, for, for stories of it, but it, it, you know, for the most part, Shannon, like you hear me first thing in the morning. And so, which is good and bad because I have less of a filter than I normally have when I'm tired. Yeah. I don't have as many fucks to give first thing in the morning. So <laughs> you hear me kind of, yeah. Uncensored. No, you know what? I, I love it because I always feel like you're being real. Like I feel like you're being very authentic and you're giving great advice, but you're very mindful of people's like emotions and everything. Like I just I appreciate the way that you show up and you bring this humor to a room all the time that I just I, I laugh every time I'm in a room with you. So Thank you for, for constantly bringing me joy in clubhouse. <laughs> I appreciate that. I need to learn how to dance like you next. That's the one thing I can't do. If you that. could teach me to be funny, I could teach you a dance move. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do a just dance the other day with my kids and their friends. And, um, it was tragic to watch. It was just, I don't, 
I don't know any other word to say, but, but tragic. So we'll, we'll give it a try. And I truly appreciate your podcast and like the episodes I've listened to and like what you bring to, to, to the world and to those who, who do journey along with you. It's so special. Oh, thank you. Thank you so, so much. That like seriously means so much to me and, and it makes my day. So thank you. And and thank you for, for coming on here today. You know, it's like, it's hard. I don't know where I want to go even with the conversation with you right now, because there's so many different layers we can dive into. Like, I love how you teach people mindfulness with action, but then I also know that you have your own story of, you know, battling bulimia and your own mental health journey. So it's like, I feel like there's just a million different avenues we could go on that could help so many people. So I'm just going to apologize in advance that this conversation could go a million directions, but well, we can all, we can just do it like a two, like a part two. Always. Yeah. That's how we, we can always do, do more. Um, your listeners are like, Oh, fuck that. Um, <laughs> but, um, they're like, cool or not. I, I, you know, I'll start, I'll start by telling you what my day has been because today I woke up with the plan of working on my book and I'm writing a book, um, based on, you know, in Stoic philosophy, on Stoic philosophy, but around the concept that we need to change how we view quitting, right? And that idea that like winners quit and just really challenging our beliefs on, on what quitting means and how we approach it, all that. And then, um, you know, kind of a, a manual, a how-to of like what to quit each month, some new things all based in Stoic philosophy. And I haven't been able to work on my book recently because I've been um, wonderfully busy with, with workshops and speaking engagements but today was the day and it's a rainy day here in Iowa. And I'm like, Oh, this is perfect. Um, the problem was, is that, um, the problem is, is that we don't control what happens for the most part during our day. Right. And during the clubhouse room this morning, I started thinking like, I want to like, I need a new page on my website to put like blog posts because right now all my stuff is mostly on Facebook or in some on Instagram and stuff. And I, I want people to have a place that they can go on my website, search by topic and all that. And I was like, that's a good idea. I should do that. And so I went to my website and I do my website myself. And I was like, I should put a new page in. And then I was like, you know, I want it to look cool and like fancy professional, not like me that like I did it because yes, I'm so bad at websites and taking so long. So I was um, messing around. I have a WordPress website too, in case anyone knows websites because WordPress is hard. And I saw that there was this template and it said blog. And I was like, fantastic. And I was like, this is going to be great. I thought I was importing Shannon, a template for a page. Instead, I imported a template for an entire website and it completely overrode my entire website. Oh no. Gone. And I had that moment and I went and all of a sudden where my website used to be, a website I've had for almost 10 years and spent a lot of time working on was um, there was a stock like wellness blog website in place of it. Oh my gosh. What makes it also hard is last night I had just posted a free workshop I'm doing on site here for, for teens and anyone um, who wants their teen to have some you know, just help on mindfulness, leadership, and mental health. And then I just had a big talk yesterday too. So I knew I'd be having increased traffic to my website and now my website's gone. My anxiety for you is so high right now. Like, cause websites take a long time. And then when that pressure, oh my gosh. So what'd you do? Well, so the thing I, um, just curl up in a ball and cry. No, what I did was <laughs> like, 
and this is where like my post tonight will be written and what I do every day is kind of like, again, a storytelling, right? It's like, find what happened the day, turn the story is, you know, there's a fantastic quote by Seneca that says, how does it help to make troubles bigger, troubles heavier, right? By bemoaning them. How does it help to make our troubles heavier by bemoaning them? and wasting our time basically complaining and moaning and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, that quote popped in my head and my media response was, fuck you, Seneca. It does help to bitch and complain. That's always my first response until I like have to take a breath and be like, damn it, he's right. Because the old me honestly would have just spiraled. It would mm-hmm. have been an excuse to like, to engage back in like bulimia, right? Go back into that behavior and be able to like rationalize it. Like, well, this day screwed all this. And instead I just did what I knew how to do, which is to um, go on the website and try to delete the stock pages, right? And I was able to bring back my old pages. So my content was there, except for everything looked very weird. And none of my color schemes that were all like, customizer there, the format's all wrong, but my content is there. And I'm like, that's, that's a win. Right. And then I continued to mess around, did some Googling, and then finally reached out to my brother-in-law who handles a lot of my IT tech problems. And he was like, Hey, we have a backup. We can restore the backup. So I'm like, awesome. Right. We restore the backup. I look at the homepage. It looks good to go. I think the day's going to turn around and I head out for a run I come back from my run and I get on Facebook to respond to comments from yesterday. And I see these comments from people saying, hey, this link doesn't work anymore to your website. And I was like, oh, crap. And then I realized, Shannon, that the backup we restored was from a few weeks ago. And so everything I had added since then, all the orders, I have summer camp. So I have like all these people, you know, signing for summer camp, especially during spring break. Mm-hmm. And then the entire workshop, I created online yesterday where it's gone and that's just gone, gone. And so that I discovered about two hours ago. And so then it means like going through my emails and trying to like track down and figure out who signed up for camp in the last two weeks, like figure out who all signed up for this workshop that filled, you know, and, and do all that. But the, the whole point of the story is not for you to feel bad for me, but for you to recognize that, um, no, it's for you to feel bad for me. That's it. That's the whole point of this one. It's for you to just be like, God damn it. Like, but today didn't go as planned. Nothing went as planned for today. However, like for me, it's a win because I didn't waste any time bemoaning it, right? And mm-hmm. complaining. And when we do that, we spend, we waste our time and energy, right? And so we do make that initial problem so much bigger because we've just devoted a lot more space in our day to it. And instead of using that time to take action. Right. And so I was able to save my energy, right. Save, like manage my emotions correctly and ultimately like find a solution. Mm-hmm. And, and that's to me, what I love about stoicism. It's not about not having emotions, right. That's like little case stoic. That's queen of England. Stoic stoicism is like, you can have emotions, but don't let your emotions have you Mm. make sure you're in charge of picking and choosing which ones you're giving your energy to. And, and that's, you know, so that was a, you know, a glimpse into how I use stoicism every day to not lose my shit. 
Yeah. I, I love that so much because me and my mom throughout this journey, we've been kind of on it together and we've been accountability partners for one another. And we read Hal Elrod's book, the miracle morning. And he talks about how you have five minutes to bitch and complain about what, whatever it is you want to bitch and complain about. But after that five minute timer's up, knock it off and move on. Otherwise you're just wasting time and energy, just like you're saying. So I think this is so important because I don't think people realize like when we spiral, like we don't have a concept of, of time that's being wasted. We're not watching our phone. Like, okay, it's been five minutes that I've been bitching about this. Like you're not aware of it, but it's taking up so much of your time. So I think this is so important. Um, so I really don't know much about stoicism, but it sounds like it's kind of up my alley with what you're, you're saying with it. So it's that you you choose the emotions to give your energy to like you're more mindful about what what you're paying attention to every day is is that what it is yeah so stoicism it's an ancient um kind of it's a western philosophy right so a lot of mindfulness is based in in eastern philosophy buddhism and stuff like that western philosophy um stoicism started about 2500 years ago right in ancient greece and then is predominantly kind of known as like a an ancient Roman philosophy. And then it hasn't, it's kind of, it's seen a resurgence right now, which is really fun. And there's, and it's still unfortunately seen very much as a masculine um, male dominated philosophy. And it's, it's not at all. Um, And, you know, but what I love about it is like the pure focus on it is looking at what's in your control and what isn't. And really like starting there, like identifying that what's in your control, it's your motivations, right? Your desires, your opinion, you know, what you, uh, what you want and what you don't want that's in your control. Mm -hmm. Everything else isn't right. And when you can really start identifying that, then you can move on to, to other practices. Right. And it's recognizing like, how do I turn right? Every obstacle into an opportunity. So, you know, teaching that like every external thing that happens again, turn it to your benefit. And from, from that, I mean, there's just, what's funny, honestly, is a lot of people, Brene Brown, including like her stuff is all very in line with stoicism. A lot of modern mindfulness stuff is in line with stoicism, but it's not given credit for it. Like people don't realize or don't like, like they, they, it's, his idea of people thinking they came up with it themselves. And I'm just like, oh, no, 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 no. Like this Roman slave just wrote that 2000 years ago. <laughs> like, you know, but, but a lot of people don't take the time to read the classics. I spend a lot of time every day reading the writings of like long dead white men, you know, from Rome. <laughs> That's how I spend my day. Well, I, think, jokes. I think like I'm a prime example of this too. Like you're saying is like, I think I've practiced all of the things that you're saying with stoicism, but I just didn't know this label for it, you know? And it's so interesting as you're saying everything, I'm like, that is exactly what I practice and I preach, but I had no idea what this term was, but it's also making me think about something that I see a lot on the internet right now for people who have this kind of mindset that we do. And there's people who might look at it as bad because they think it's like toxic positivity, like ignore your bullshit and just see everything as a positive. And I think there's like a fine line that people don't realize that's not toxic positivity. It's, it's just a, a more energized and, and more focused way of, of viewing the way that, you know, we treat our life every day. But I mean, what would your argument be for people who are like, well, that's just toxic positivity. You're ignoring the bullshit and you're just choosing to make everything happy, beautiful and light. So 
the big thing about stoicism is, is that concept of detachment, right? So detaching yourself from the things that, again, you don't have control over. And so there's a great Marcus Aurelius quote says, you know, receive without pride, let go without, with, um, without attachment, right? So receive without pride, like go without attachment. So understanding, like, even like the praise, like you saying like, Hey, Becky, you're the funniest person I'm in a clubhouse, like not getting super, like, like feeling that pride in that, because again, that's your opinion. It is nothing I can control. So being able to say like, wow, that felt good. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Right. But not using that to justify anything else. Right. And the same mm-hmm. with like that, as far as like seeing things as a positive or being happy, Stoicism is not about joy, like a lot of like happy joy, right? It's more of that finding that contentment. Like, can you be content? Can you be satisfied, right? With what's going on in your life. And so there's, um, you know, and I, it's, I'm glad you brought this up because I get accused of it and people have written me about the toxic positivity. And I'm okay with that. Because honestly, I enjoy being able to see an obstacle and look for an opportunity from it. I'm not mm-hmm. denying that the obstacle exists. I'm not saying, hey, this, you know, I have a type 1 diabetes. All right. That's a fucking big obstacle in my life. Right. And it sucks. But I can't control it. What I can't control mm-hmm. is my attitude about it, my response to it. I can control how I like try to turn that into, again, a positive, which is it gives me insight, right, into what it's like to fall asleep and not be sure if you're going to wake up in the morning, right? And that gives me a level of empathy with people that I otherwise wouldn't have had. So I'm not saying that like having diabetes is awesome and that I'm so glad I have it. I'm just saying like I have it. So I might as well find a way to make it work for me. And that's mm-hmm. kind of my approach. I don't know if I answered that at all. No, you totally, you totally did. Because I think that's exactly what it is, is we're not ignoring all the bad or the, you know, upsetting things that are happening in life. It's we're acknowledging them and they are there, but I think there's like a way to turn the mindset to shift it to something that could be better. And, you know, I think with this detachment that we're talking about here, like, it's easier said than done because for people who are so new to this, they can thrive on those compliments, you know, and love soaking in all those nice words that people are saying. And then when they hear the bad thing, they can spiral and let it ruin them. And to detach yourself can be like seriously, seriously hard because you can get lost in the emotions. How do you recommend somebody can get to that level of detaching themselves? Um, you look at just like the positive, like how would you detach from like taking on the positive? Or are you thinking like negative comments as well? It, just both. Yeah. Cause I feel like, like people can drown themselves in either, or you, you feel like you're on a high and you feel so good with the great. And then you feel super low and bad with the negatives that pop up. Right. So uh, a part of my business now that I, I love that it's, it's growing and I, I'm hoping it continues to grow is working with organizations, companies, um, as like a mindful leader, uh, mindful leadership consultant, right. And talking to them and, and training leadership, um, leaders, and especially working in, in the medical field and healthcare right now, because they're, they're dealing with a lot of stuff that comes at them, right. We deal with stuff all day long that comes from other people and really teaching people to, again, focus on the 
fact that you can't control the other person. Like you really can't. And and so if I just make that a rule for myself, that anything coming out of your mouth, I have no control over, right? The only thing I can control is if I, is how I decide to continue to act. And so if I just make that rule of like, okay, I can't control anything Shannon says, right? I don't, and again, I don't know why she's going to have the pain she's going to have. It could be that I am a fucking hilarious person, but I look just like this girl who stole your boyfriend in high school. And so no matter what I say, you're going to hate me, right? And you're going (laughs) to think I'm ridiculous. And so if I put, you know, my, the validation I need on anything external, then I'm setting myself up for failure. Mm -hmm. I'm not in control of that. Right. And I always think it's interesting because pride is something a lot of times we see as a positive, but it's also listed as one of the seven deadly sins. Right. And, and that is very, it's dangerous. I think pride is when we, when we have it be a requirement to come from the outside. Right. And how do we find that internally there and, and pausing here. And because I want to make sure I don't forget to say this. I think this, this story would be helpful. One of my favorite phrases, and this works if someone says anything negative to you or the day doesn't go as planned is comes from the story of Teddy Roosevelt, right? He's one, I, I, I've studied him a lot, read his stuff. He was a stoic and he wrote, wrote about a trip he took, a hunting trip. And it, uh, he went with a friend and from the get-go, nothing went as planned, right? The wagon was shitty. The wheels are bad. The horses were like in not good shape and not, and not well-behaved. And the weather was crappy and they're in big basin in Montana and, and they're out hunting. And it's a couple of days in things keep getting worse. And at one point, Teddy Roosevelt looks up at the sky and it looks like a storm's coming in another storm. He says to his companion, who's whistling says, I'd rather I wouldn't storm. And his companion stops, turns him and says, I guess we aren't getting our rathers on this trip. And it goes back whistling. And that concept of we're not getting our rathers is one that I tell myself over and over again. Because again, when things happen outside of our control, when things don't go as we have planned, it's not toxic positivity to simply say, not getting my rathers right now. Right? Yeah. And live with what you do have. Like live with what you're given in that moment. And as far as opinions of other people, fuck yeah, that's easier said than done. Everything is. All right. If something is easier done than said, like you got a problem, stay away from that. Right. Um, Epictetus has, again, former Roman slave says, he's like, if somebody says to you that so-and-so was like trash talking, right. was saying something bad about you, that your response should really be, well, they must not have known about all the other things wrong with me. Otherwise they would have mentioned those two. Right. Like ownership, <laughs> like, you know, like, be like, so I said that, like I teach out to kids all the time. Like if someone says like, Hey, did you know what Shannon said about you? Like she said that like, you look like a monkey's uncle. And I'd be like, well, she also doesn't know that my aunt's a turtle, right? Like find a way to own what you have going on. And, and then what people say, it doesn't impact you. It's so much more fun. Right. Too. I, I have not heard any of those stories, examples and, or, or anything that you just spoke about, but I love all of them so much because there's, I feel like it's like, there's a cloud of other things we could be paying attention to, but we're just not like we're f- honing in on that one thing that's like bothering us or, or giving us joy. Um, 
do you think like, in addition to having those like mental notes to be prepared with that, somebody says to you, like, how important do you think it is that you have, you know, self-confidence and you build yourself up and have self-love to where you're not searching for validation from others. I mean, is that a big part of stoicism too? Yeah. It's, it's being very carefully not searching from others, you know, and, and they talk a lot, um, in the writings about, you know, speakers, right. People who, cause you know, back then, like being good at speaking, um, you know, rhetoric was really important. And those who, who speak wanting applause and stuff, like you're doing it for the wrong reason, like good luck. Right. And because we tend to, again, get stuck in that we want, I mean, social media, the currency of social media are likes and follows, right. But it's up to mm-hmm. us to assign the value of that. And, and it's, and it's hard, but to really spend the time of recognizing like, Hey, if nobody said anything positive about what I did today, right. If nobody liked what I wrote, would I still be happy with it? And if the mm-hmm. answer is yes, then that's all that matters. And so um, you know, I said to my husband the other day, his comment, cause he was, you know, doing something. I just like, um, oh, was it? I was being, a, he was, he was watching some Facebook video and I just was like, Hey, like, is that benefiting your life right now? And he didn't <laughs> appreciate it right away. He was like, well, fuck you. But I was like, no, no, it's a valid question. Like answer it. Is that, is that, how is that benefiting you? And he's like, you know, what? it's not. And I do the same thing. Shannon, when I look at like, if I find myself falling in that trap of looking for external validation, right? I believe that I ask myself, like, is that benefiting me? If the answer is no, then let it go. And as far as building that confidence, it's so important to recognize the difference between confidence and ego, because ego is really good at being our best friend, right? But I always say ego starts the fire, like ego will set your house on fire and then help you put it out. And we don't see it set the fire. We just see it putting it out next to us. And we're like, oh my God, thank you so much, ego. And we fall into that, into that path. And ego will always lead you astray. And so being very careful to, to differentiate between confidence and ego, um, I think is key. I, um, you know, I, I also was wondering too, like, I see you talk a lot about taking action when it comes to mindfulness too. Like, and I think that that's important because when we sit with our thoughts and we sit in our body, I think that can be hard for us to, to get ourselves out of it. But when you take action, it really helps you to shift the mindset and you to like physically get your body involved in something. And I just, I see you talk about this a lot. And I actually, you know, I saw the post about, I I think there was a young teen in your town who lost his life um, due to suicide and you decided to take action. And so I was curious, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but if that was, you know, something difficult to sit with, you know, alone with your emotions. And so you decide to take action and do something to find a way to help others from, from a tragedy. Is that right? No. So it, it, doesn't come from a place of like it being difficult to sit with emotions. And that's one thing. And I don't, Oh, I never actually posted it. Um, I have a big issue right now of a lot of people are blaming COVID for, for what's going on with the mental health crisis with their, with teens and in people in general. And I don't, COVID's not to blame and it's a very convenient scapegoat, right? Very convenient. But the thing is, is that COVID all it did was force people to slow down. People who are so used to like being so busy, essentially like, I'm like talking about like parents and let's say kids, right? Where their kids are involved in 3 million thousand things, right? And they're constantly driving them here and there and stuff. You never have time to sit with your emotions. And what happened during COVID is 
people were forced to actually be around each other, right? Who aren't used to it to actually sit with their emotions. And so everything kind of got really heavy. Um, I am somebody who is very comfortable sitting with my emotions. Like I, I get, I, I have a, I had wrote last year, a whole series on called like, hello, anxiety, my old friend. And I teach people like, Hey, like when you feel anxiety, when you feel these like, you know, quote unquote, negative emotions, like invite them in. Because if you're in charge of opening that door and inviting them in, then again, you're coming from that place of your emotions don't have you, you're having them because they all have something to teach us. So I, I, mm-hmm. I like sitting with my emotions. Um, the difference when I say mindfulness into action is I feel like a lot of people, Shannon, like check the box, especially organizations and corporations and stuff like of like, all right, we did mindfulness training because we taught people how to breathe, right? Or we sat in meditation. And that's just not the mindfulness that I, that I do. The stoic philosophy approach to mindfulness is just truly in that everyday living. So it's looking at how can you live mindfully every single day and everything you do. And it is not easy and you fail a ton, but it's worth it to me. So it's, it's, not, it's not a matter of like, let's get into action to avoid sitting with it. It's let's kind of do both hand in hand. Huh. Okay. I'm so happy that you clarified that. And it's like weird. I feel like anytime I do interviews, the timing of how things happen in my personal life, like what we're talking about, just, I don't know, the universe is just having everything be aligned and it's beautiful. (laughs) But, um, I am right now in therapy. My therapist really wants me to do exposure therapy, where instead of us like ignoring the anxiety triggers, like let's trigger it and see what happens and sit through it. I legit went into therapy yesterday and was like, and I said to her, I was like, I'm fucking terrified of this. And like, I don't want to, I've had anxiety about therapy because I'm so anxious about doing exposure therapy, but (laughs) the like way that you're explaining it, like sitting with the emotions and being like, no, I allow that door to open. Like the door is not going to swing open and smack me in the freaking face. Like I am here inviting it and I can handle it. Like you're making me feel like maybe I should do this exposure therapy. Like maybe, maybe I should invite those emotions in because I should be the one in control. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan and see that's super brave and badass of you, by the way, like therapy is fantastic. Um, you know, for me, it's the concept of, you know, I'll say in the link to the, the series I wrote about it. So it's inviting in anxiety and fear and worry, all that. And be like, Hey, like, I hear you. I see you're here. Like, let's sit down. Freaking like Godfather Mafia style, right? Like have a little sit down, right? Of all the bosses. But, you know, and say like, what do you have to say? And, you know, anxiety for me, like, you say, you know, maybe it'll be like, hey, you know what? Like this event's going to, like your interview with Shannon's going to suck. Nobody's going to like what you have to say, right? And so I hear anxiety out on that. I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks for sharing. I said, but just, just a reminder to all those involved here is that, uh, I can't control what other people think. So it's kind of a waste of time and energy for us to worry about it. And then, you know, go next to worry, you know, and fear and all those and hear they have to say, and then respond from that place of being able to address those concerns and then move forward and, and leaning on the stoic philosophy of, again, What's in my control? We have an archery range out here and we do that in a lot of our team building activities for people is, you know, because this archer concept is 
everything leading up to that moment that that arrow leaves your bow is in your control, right? You control how you set it, how you pull back, all that. The minute the arrow leaves the bow, out of your control. The wind can blow, right? If you're hunting, the animal can move, you know, all those things. And so we don't focus on like, can you hit the bullseye? Like, where does it land? It's the focus of like, do you like, did you do what you could to get it to go where you want to go? You know, and not, and be really open to the idea of, you know, I say like you, you may not end up right where you planned, but you will end up where you're meant to be. And if you can accept that and be okay with that, life flows a lot easier. And as far as exposure therapy goes, I will tell you this, and this isn't like, I mean, so I was terrified of tornadoes. I mean, this is like legit exposure therapy, right? Terrified tornadoes. I saw a movie Twister when I was younger and um, then got a deathly fear of tornadoes. And I live in Iowa, so we have bad storms, but it was so bad that like from fourth grade through high school, like, I mean, it got better throughout high school, but for a while, like any, any wind and I'd run inside. I was so scared. And then in 2008, I was, um, on a run home from the gym. (laughs) Always so sad when I say that out loud. I'm like, Oh my God, I used to be in such good shape that I would run to the gym. (laughs) And then so I'm like, that's, I start to be like, that used to be you, Becky. Um, and so I was running home and there's a storm coming and the sky turned green. And all of a sudden like, you get that eerie feeling of like, shit's about to go bad. And I have never run so fast in my life. And I sprint, I went to my parents' house because I went to college in the same place that um, they, in the same town that they live. And we get down in the basement and the tornado comes straight through our neighborhood. And it goes right through our backyard, lifts up part of the house, takes out the house behind us. Like you could see the path. Left the, left the amazing swing set that my grandpa and my dad built back in 95. Um, but, you know, it took out the houses. And when it was going over us, like the pressure, I can, it was so painful. And it sounded like a train. And like, I mean, I exposed myself to a tornado by living through it. Ever since that day, I haven't had a fear of tornadoes. And so I am a big fan of exposure therapy. Now, if you had said like, hey, Becky, you want to volunteer to sit through a tornado? Probably wouldn't have. But I can say that it does work. Like it does work because you you go through it and you're like, hey, look at like I survived. Yeah. You- oh, my. I I don't know how I how I would do with that. I remember seeing that movie as a kid. I cannot believe that you were outside running during that yeah. and then thank god you found shelter <laughs> i know well it, it came on pretty quick it was a pretty significant one the crazy thing is like i said took out the house behind us and but like left like there's like a jewelry box sitting on the dresser and it's so weird how tornadoes work like that like you know that wasn't disturbed but the rest of the house is gone um but yeah so i think that you should i say all that to say this which is go go do your exposure therapy Yeah, I think, I think you've inspired me with that. So, so thank you. Thank you. Um, but you know, something you're talking about before too, is like, like feeling that out of controlness and, and accepting the fact that you can't control. Like I think anxiety thrives on searching for a control for the future. And it's like, we just keep going down this rabbit hole of like, what can I do? What am I going to do? How can I prepare instead of just sitting with the fact of, well, I can't control it, you know? And I think that's a big shift because 
I think that could stop the anxious talk that's happening much quicker than us looking at every single scenario, which isn't necessarily bad, but like, I think if that's where we get like really out of hand with it sometimes. Yeah. So with that though, what's, what's interesting. So, you know, stoicism is big on like, Hey, like let's not invite extra suffering. You know, let's not, you know, you know, he who suffers before is necessary, suffers more than it's necessary, right? Like inviting that suffering in. However, they have this fantastic practice called premeditation valorum, which is hands down, I think one of the best things to do, especially um, when it comes to anxiety in looking forward to things. So premeditation valorum is that concept of the premeditation of evils, right? So to look ahead and see, think of all the things that could go wrong right? Think of those black swans, because they say one of the worst things that like, you know, especially like in the military, right? Someone could say would be like, I used to be taken by a surprise or to say like, I didn't think that would happen. And if you say like, I didn't think that would actually happen. That's a big ass ego you got, because that means that you knew it was a possibility, but you somehow thought that like, it couldn't happen to you. Right? So mm-hmm. the premeditation alarm is, is thinking ahead of the things that could go wrong identify those, understand what of those you can do anything about, right? You know, having your plan A through C's, right? And then also being very clear, understanding like what's outside of your control. And that way, when those things happen, because things inevitably go wrong, you're not devastated because you've, you've planned ahead, right? You've acknowledged it as an existence. So you don't have to spend time getting worked up about that. You can be like, oh, cool. Yep. That, that happened, right? It's why here in the Midwest, when it snows, people are pissed off sometimes, right? If they don't like the snow, but they're not devastated because they knew it was coming. They knew it was a possibility, you know? And, and that's where for like an interview like this, I could say, what's in my control? Well, I could take the time to prepare, right? I didn't, but I could have, um, you know, so fixing a website. Um, but that's, <laughs> that practice helps a ton with anxiety especially for like kids. And so if I say like, Hey, we're, we have a plan to go get ice cream, right? We will talk about what are the things that could prevent that from actually happening. And so if like, we would say like, Hey, we're going to get ice cream, but Hey, like if mom has an event come up or if you're sick, all that. So when they do happen, we can say like, Hey, look at one of those bummer couldn't happen, you know, and, and your kids aren't devastated. Huh? It's I I'm, I'm loving this conversation so much because I feel like it's like I I start to 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 get it and then I like need to have you put me back in check where I'm like oh wait it's this but uh, wait bring it back dial it back Vic it's not bad to think of all the scenarios it's just like accepting that could happen but what are you gonna do right so much people are happier if you think of the best if the key is think of those bad scenarios those black swans that could happen and when I talk to um, like doctors and medical students and stuff, you know, I always talk about, we do a, a post-mortem, right? When someone dies and you don't know why they do a post-mortem, you know, they, they look at what happened. This is doing a pre-mortem, right? It's thinking ahead mm-hmm. of all those things that could go wrong. We just have that new satellite that's going to like, or um, take over for Hubble, right? The telescope, the wells, I think is what it's called, something wells. Um, but it's this amazing telescope, but they had... I think 364 um, single point failures that the scientists had to spend two years planning for, like what to do about, right? And like that's, that's premeditation alarm on a whole new level, right? Because this telescope is, is it's in outer space. They can't get to it, right? And, they, and there's 
at least one thing that if it failed, there'd be nothing they could do at all. There wasn't any redundancy, right? And, and recognizing like that's outside their control. But to have those backup plans is so important. It's why, you know, out here we've done so much on site to be able to, if the weather is bad, I have like the goat cottage that kids can hang out with the goats in, right? I have the tree houses covered from rain. I have this indoor thing. It's, it's really freeing to think of all the shit that could go wrong, plan for it, and then be like, cool, we're good, right? Yeah. Does this, I'm, I'm curious if this goes hand in hand with what you were mentioning earlier about um, like owning that's okay to, to quit things or say no to things. Like if something goes wrong and maybe it's not meant to be in your life, accepting that you quit it or, or say no to it because you're seeing through different obstacles or things like, you know, the, the shifts and pivots that you have to make. I'm, I'm curious, does this go hand in hand with that? hundred percent because for um, just recently, like my husband and I were dealing with something where we had, we had to identify, we decided, Hey, what's our, what's kind of our, our term back point, right? Like what's that thing that could happen? And there's a group of people who are like super predictors, right? They like predict the future. And one of the best ones, he always has a whole thing of like, Hey, I predict this is going to happen, but here are some things that could happen that will change my prediction, right? Like here are some things that'll make me change my mind on this. And so my husband and I, we had identified, we're like, okay, we're going to keep going along this path. But if this happens, like this is our quit moment. And we reached mm-hmm. that, that thing happened last week. And because we had identified that, it was so much easier to quit it because we're like, okay, we're there. We already identified it. We're not going to question it, you know, and, and we quit. And it was the right decision to do. But if, you know, too many people don't quit, quit when they should, because, they're thinking, well, I've come this far, right? Like I've come this far. I need to keep pushing there. Are, I've only identified like two scenarios where that statement holds to holds true that like, I've come too far to quit. Now one is childbirth. Okay. Because I've tried and they don't let you quit halfway through. Um, it's just, Legit was like, I'm good now. I'll stop. And they're like, no, no, no. Um, she's halfway out of you. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but we're good enough. Um, the other is like, I think an organ transplant. Like I do feel like if you're like midway through, like swapping out a heart, you should keep going. But the, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the things like, yeah, you can quit. You've never gone too far to quit now. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you give yourself the permission, this is one thing I'm so passionate about that. Like, because a lot of people like they get very upset about this concept. They're like, no, no, no. Like, so you just tell people to quit all the time when it gets hard. I'm like, no, I'm saying that you need to allow that option to be there because if the option to quit is there and then you decide not to, you do push through, right. You feel so much better. You feel so much more like you feel so much more accomplished than if you mm-hmm. told yourself, I'm not allowed to quit. And then you complete whatever you're doing. Well, like, cool. You had no other option, but to keep doing it. But if I tell myself in my recovery bulimia that, Hey, yeah, Becky, like you have permission, go ahead. You can go back to it. Right. You've come this far so far in recovery, but you know, if you want to go back to it, you can. And allowing mm-hmm. that permission to be there means that every single day that I decide not to, I feel that much more confident in my ability to get through the next day. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about this a lot when it comes to people going for different goals or dreams that they have, like 
you know, for example, starting a podcast, right? I think for a lot of people, they view quitting as failing. Like, shit, I didn't make it or I didn't stick with it like I said I would. And that is what's so hard for people is they see it as such failure that's going to happen in their life. Yeah. I always say that, you know, that's the role that ego plays in this. So ego keeps us, like makes us quit too soon out of fear of failing, right? The ego also prevents us from quitting when we need to out of fear of being a failure. And if you can identify that, like quitting isn't failing, it's not giving up. You're simply making room to move forward. And, Mm -hmm. you know, really the sunk cost fallacy is, is so important too. recognizing that, you know, things that you've already done in the past, like that is the past. You know, I think there's some great quotes from Lion King on that too, right? Um, you know, like it's, it is in the past. It's, so it's a, if I spent, you know, $15 on, you know, something, right? I think I'll give this example. So I, I hear a lot from parents like, well, I'm not going to let them quit T-ball because we've already paid for the season. And I just, I'm like, yeah, exactly. You've already paid for the season. You're not getting that money back. It's not coming back to you. So sunk cost is something you've already spent money on that you're not going to get back. You know, there's some things that you could resell, right? That's not a sunk cost. Sunk costs are, they're gone. They're in the past. They're, they're an education, a degree you got, right? So when I talk to, you know, students in universities and, uh, you know, I'm talking to a group of med- medical students soon about this is that, hey, like, if you decide that you hate being a doctor, the worst thing you can say to yourself is like, well, I did all this work to become a doctor. I need to continue to be one. Cause that's not true. Right. It's mm-hmm. up to you if you want to continue or not, you know, you don't have to make yourself miserable. You don't have to wear those shoes that you bought that are way too expensive, but because you spent that money and you know, they hurt your feet, you say, I have to keep wearing them. Right. You don't have to. And that's you know, that is a huge I just threw out a pair of pants. I'm like, I don't fit in these and I'm not going to. And I'm like, but they're so expensive. I'm like, okay, but what you're not getting your money back. Right. <laughs> Cause there's a hole in the crotch, Becky, that you're never going to fix you split <laughs> your pants. Uh, you know, those type of things. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's so funny because it's like, there's, I think there's a bit of quitting where you're worried about like the judgment out there of other people, right? Like what everybody's going to think if I don't go through with this, but then there's also like the self-judgment, like you put so much pressure on yourself. Like I should be doing this. I must be doing this. I have this now, so I've got to do something with it. And it's like, well, you don't have to do anything, but we, we put these rules on ourselves. I think like unknowingly of just like things that have to be done or should be doing all the damn time. Exactly. And you know, they, there's a Winston Churchill speech that's often used by people to like, you know, especially like, like in, I think the coaching world or, or motivational speakers thing it's like, you know, never give up. And Winston Churchill was giving the speech to rally, you know, the people of Britain of England during world war two, like, you know, never give up, never give up. Um, and he goes all the like, you know, and things big or small, all that. And it's very powerful, but no one includes the following line. And I always like whenever anyone quotes a speech, I immediately go and I look at the lines before and after the famous quote, because those are the most telling. But afterwards he says, like, never give up, you know, except for a good reason and cause, right? Like there is a time to give up. And wow. that's so important that even, you know, like, again, 
in a speech to an entire you know nation, right? During wartime, even then he's saying, hey, guys, there is actually a time, right? Um, and it, there, so when you're doing something and people, again, I'm not saying just like quit when things get hard. No, it's quit when it's not, again, like benefiting your life. The whole thing like, is this benefiting my life? And when people say, well, I want, you know, my kid to continue in a ball, I guess, you know, because I want to teach like you don't give up on your team, right? That whole concept of, you know, it's important to finish out the season. You know, I, I question people and say, well, what are you teaching your kid? Because when it comes to mental health and putting yourself first, if your kid is saying, hey, I hate this sport, right? I don't like it. And you're saying, hey, you know what? You're like mental health matters less than your team right on t-ball like you wonder why it is that we all are like a society of people who have a hard time with self-care right we have a hard time putting ourselves first and we constantly push and push and push and put others before us that's what we were taught and that's what we're teaching our kids and the other thing a big aspect of stoicism is memento more which means what's latin for saying like you too will die like remember you too will die and that whole concept of, and this is when, again, people don't like talking about death, but it's a huge part of stoicism of recognizing that like tomorrow's not promised. Mm-hmm. And so if, again, you're, if you're sticking with something that's not bringing you any joy that you hate, that your kid hates, you are doing that again with a tremendous amount of ego in that you think that you have all the time in the world to spend doing things that don't matter that don't bring you anything good, right? Um, and so to just, if I keep that mindset, being like, hey, I, I may not be here tomorrow, right? So what's gonna be important and what's important today? And to me, it's not always doing the laundry, it's going on my way to be kind to somebody, right? It's reaching out to a loved one to tell them I love them. Like, that's how I'm gonna choose to spend my time, you know? And I just also don't wanna do the laundry. So I'm like, sorry, honey, I could die tomorrow. So like could do it today. Um, thinking on that one. <laughs> no, I know. Like, I think that is, it, it's weird. I always feel bad when I talk about like good things that came out of COVID, but there really were some good things. And I think for a lot of people, it taught us that like life is not guaranteed and the things that we had access to do whenever the hell we wanted to do, it's not going to be there forever. And so I think for me, definitely it helped me to practice more gratitude, focus on what was bringing me joy and remove what wasn't anymore. Instead of just like going through the motions and routine of like, this is what I you know should be doing. This is my day to day. Like, I think I've become much more mindful of like, no, like I'm not happy doing this. I'm not going to do this and I don't have to do it. And, you know, I think too, as we're talking about this for a lot of people, like there's such a level of self-awareness you have to have to know, like, can I push forward and do I want to do this? Or is this really like not serving me? Is it not going to make me happy? It's time to quit. Like you have to, you can't be asking everybody, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You have to be so self-aware, I think, to, to really make that decision yourself. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, there, I think there's a cartoon and I won't remember it correctly, which will make this completely worthless, but I think something where like a little boy is looking up at his dad and said, Hey, did I do my best? Right. Only, you know, what your best is. And if you're asking mm-hmm. someone else, hey, did I do my best? Like, they don't fucking know. Only you know. <laughs> and we make the mistake too so often of, you know, I wrote a post about this of like, you know, never like judge like, today's best 
by yesterday's, you know, by yesterday's example and tomorrow's potential. I should remember my own quotes, but I don't. Um, I, like today is different than yesterday and tomorrow. And we have to stay focused on like where you're at in this moment. And so that self-awareness is recognizing like, hey, like right now, today, my best is going to look pretty darn shitty compared to yesterday's best. But that's mm-hmm. okay. Right. And to understand that, you know, like, again, what, what good came out of COVID and that, that self-awareness thing is, you know, I'm a huge fan again, of, a lot of good came out of COVID uh, and a lot of good can come out of COVID and a lot of bad. So another thing I'm a big teacher of is this concept of like, there's such thing as, and it's not all or, and mm. can you be an and leader, right? Can be an and person in an or society because yes, both things can be true. Like I am a huge fan of gun control regulation and I own guns, right? I'm a hunter. I love hunting, you know? And so you can be both, right? I can say COVID was, it is still absolutely tragic and devastating and positive things came out of it, right? You don't have to choose one or the other. And so if you can go through life and refusing to choose one or the other, like, again, you're going to find yourself, it's hard. It's hard to be that person because people want you to pick a side and I'm the person that doesn't. And so uh, it's not easy, but man, it makes life a lot, lot more fun. Totally. And I, I really think that's important because I think so many people think it's black or white. And I think that also plays into why we're so divided right now in society is because we're thinking you have to be one or the other. You're either on my team or you're not on my team. Instead of being like, no, like I, I see what you want. I respect that. And I agree with you, but I also see what the other side wants and I respect and agree with them. Like, I just think if we live in this world where so many people think it has to be one or the other. And if you don't give them that answer of like, this or that, or that, you know what I'm saying of the, and, um, that's a problem, you know? And I think like so many people just aren't accepting of there, there is a a balance in issues of, of things that we can see that are good and things that we can see are bad. hundred percent. And I'll, I want to make sure I tell you one other thing I think would be helpful with like, uh, handling anxiety. And I, I love what you said too, of like that awareness of how you pose questions to people. I think that's brilliant. Um, but it's this concept of, um, calling things by its right name, right? So we so often don't call things by their right name. What I mean by that is we fall into judgment instead of fact, right? So calling something by its right name, you know, this again comes from teaching of Epictetus is, you know, he says, you know, if someone showers, it takes a fast shower, like, right. You say, you know, they showered quickly, not poorly. You know, but it's so tempting if someone's in and out in five seconds, you're like, oh, like, man, they took a bad shower. You know, they didn't do a good job showering. It's like, no, that's not, that's a judgment. You know, when I work with companies, I had this interview with this employee who's saying, you know, she's talking about the other, um, other receptionist. And she said, like, they're, they're so lazy, right? And so what do you mean by that? She's like, well, they just do the minimal work. And I said, okay, they do the minimum requirements and the minimum work. That's calling it by his right name lazy, like that's your judgment. So if you can start mm-hmm. catching yourself, because not only how you say it, but then how you hear it as well. Right. So I always say like, I was, you know, my husband's a fantastic driver. He was a pilot before he drove fire trucks. Like he's an annoyingly good Parker. 
Like he's so good at parking cars. It's just disgusting, right? I'm not. I look for three open spots to build a parallel park. And I still do like the full like parallel parking thing. And I, so I tried to never drive with him in the car. And the other day I did and I park, we pull out. And he says like, Hey, you said so you park pretty close to the lines. Like you parked pretty close to the lines there. And what he said, I parked close to the lines, like fact, hundred percent true. Right. I heard something very different. Right. And I had to catch myself because what I heard was like, you did a shitty job parking. <laughs> and when I caught myself, I was like, hold on a second. That's not what he said. All he said was this. And it's our choice whether or not we attach that judgment to it or not. And so if you can recognize that, like, you know, I gave a talk once and there's a Q&A afterwards. And this guy asked me, he goes, question, he goes, why are you here? Like, why are you talking to us? That was a fair question. That's all he said, right? Why are you here? Like, why are you talking to us? It was so tempting. It would be super tempting for me to be like, oh my God, like I did a horrible job. Like he obviously doesn't like, you know, like just like see that and, and like, it'd be also very tempting to take that one comment, right? Which on its own is not negative at all. It was a, it was a question. And then to tell people, they said, hey, how'd your talk go? I'd be like, oh my God, it fucking sucked. Like I bombed, right? because one person said something I've received. And instead I just said, oh, like I'm here because they asked me to come. They thought this would be beneficial. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, and that was it. It wasn't, he was like, I really appreciate the talk. It was really helpful. Like there was nothing negative on it, but again, it was tempting to fall into that trap. So if you can do this, if you can go through life and start catching yourself in like not hearing what someone says, right. And hearing that judgment instead of the facts, right. It just like, your anxiety decreases immediately because you have that control. You'll be like, okay, wait a second. All they said was this, my choice, whether or not I want to add anything more to it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I feel like I, I got annoyed when I heard you say that that guy said to you, like, why are you here? Yeah. Like, why are you speaking to us? I'm sitting here like, what? Like, I, I don't know. It like pissed me off. Like I cast judgment when you said that because yeah. I, I immediately was thinking the negative. So I'm an example of <laughs> putting judgment onto it right away. And that's what causes so much conflict between people too. And we fight so much because like, again, if you go back and I do this all the time with my husband, it's like, cause he might be like, you know, answer kind of pissy to me about something. I'm like, dude, what's up? And he's like, well, like, you're mad that I went out to lunch instead of taking lunch from home. And I said, no, I asked you, do I'm going to, I said, I'm going to the store tomorrow. Do you want me to buy anything for you to be able to take to for lunch tomorrow? Right. But he took it that as me saying, Hey, you went out to lunch today. So maybe you don't, you know, like we add so much story, right. The story we tell ourselves, I gave a whole talk yesterday on storytelling and the story we tell ourselves. Again, that's, how dangerous, like, and, and if we, and so like, you know, we're at the place now, like, um, where we can pause and I can be like, Hey, this is what I said. And he'd be like, wow, I totally added a whole nother judgment to that. You stop a fight, but otherwise like it would have spiraled into a dumbass argument. Right. Yeah. You know, and I do this a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like I'm people pleaser one-on-one. Like <laughs> I take everything people say as like, there's, there's something behind it. Like there's a meaning behind it when most of the time, like it it could be something good or there really was no meaning behind it. It was just a comment. It's just saying the facts, but I'm thinking about it another way too. Something that I'm trying to work on is like, 
when I catch myself judging somebody else and somebody who's like annoying me, or like, I'm finding that I just get like irritated when I'm around them or speaking to them. Like I try to sit back and think of like, well, why am I annoyed or irritated? And most of the time there is, (laughs) this is going to sound weird, but I hope you know what I'm saying, but it's like, there's a quality or trait that like I admire, but I'm turning it into like a negative judgment. Maybe like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh my gosh, like they won't shut up. And it's like, no, like we are having really good conversations and they value the time with me. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, I almost have to take the judgment out of it and just think like of what it is that I'm judging because sometimes it's like an insecurity in myself or it's something that like, I appreciate about the other person. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. I know. Cause uh, I always remind people a lot of times when we give feedback, we, um, whatever feedback you're giving someone or any, whatever criticism you have on someone like that is a reflection on, on the person giving it. Right. So if mm-hmm. I think somebody talks too much, it's probably because again, I think that I talk too much. Right. And it's like what we see is that, is that mirror. Right. And then also right. though, catching ourselves, like I have, um, a new phrase that I, I tell myself, I make myself repeat all the time. It's like, it, good for them because, and I caught myself, so I was driving down our street and there is somebody who's adding on a, a pool house, right? They, and they have a pool and they're adding on, I think it was a pool house, but it's the same size as their current house. Like it is massive. Right. And I looked at that and I was like, oh my God, it'd be really tempting to want to like say something negative about that because I wish I had the money to do that. Right. Like, and just catching like, oh my God, like I was a partner that would want to say something snarky, but instead I say like, I just like, Hey, good for them. And, yeah. and if I can go through the, the day, like doing that, anytime I see anything, again, somebody doing something positive or good. And I catch myself wanting to flip it into negative, just saying, cool, good for them. And then to that point of like getting annoyed too, there's, um, that's a stoicism of like, how can you turn everything every external to your benefit and recognize that. I don't know if you did any sports Were you, did you do much sports when you were younger? Sports, yeah, sports I thing. did a dance competitive cheerleading and musical theater. Okay. So, so kind like, of sports. With cheerleading, <laughs> I'm sure there was times in like, or in dance, right. Where you have a, a teammate, right. And they're pushing you to do better. And like, they're doing it in a way that's it's painful. Right. And I, I like to do jujitsu and, and the reference and stoicism is, is to wrestling that like, you know, you have this wrestling partner who is actually like causing you pain and discomfort, but you're not upset because you know that like they're doing that to benefit you. Right. Mm-hmm. And at the same point too, there's going to be times that you're going to accidentally get hurt by somebody, but you're not mad at your teammate because you can identify like, Hey, it was an accident. And so if you can go through life, seeing every other human as your teammate, right. And so the person who's annoying you be like, oh, okay, they are a teammate. They are helping me train in, in being kinder. They're helping me train in identifying judgment. Like they are helping me train in living in my values. And again, like life becomes a lot more fun because the person who's a total dick to you, you can then look at and be like, cool, thank you. Like you're helping me out right now. You're showing me like when a leader or boss is, you know, is a horrible boss, be able to be like, cool. Like, thank you. They are helping me recognize how I would not want to be as a boss, right? How I want to make sure I don't yeah. treat people. And there's a, a phrase, it's a good thing to end on is, um, sometimes again, I say all day long, I said it today, though, depending on situation, sometimes I add two extra words to it, but it's Latin as a, a more fati, 
right? And I brought down, I have a bigger thing on this, but this is the one I keep on my desk, okay? Is of my daughter. So Amor Fati. Oh, I love this picture of her. Um, so, but Amor Fati means love your fate, embrace your fate. And, and doing that again is not toxic positivity. It's saying like, all right, this is what is happening right here in this moment. This is my fate. I am stuck in traffic, right? What can I do? Like I can fight it. I can be pissed off. I can be angry, but I'm still going to be stuck in traffic. Or I can find a way to turn that to my benefit, right? I can listen to one of Shannon's amazing podcasts, right? I can, you know, work on just like singing a song, like and learning a new song. That's what I did for the last week of learning all the lyrics to like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air um, intro. <laughs> and then went down a whole nother rabbit hole of learning every rap song I wanted to learn. But, you know, Amor Fati. And again, this morning when things were going well at the website and then this afternoon when they got even worse, I did add on to say out loud like a morfati and I did add on motherfucker because if you say a morfati <laughs> motherfucker, it just feels better because I force myself to live that, but I still sometimes need the motherfucker at the end, you know? And um, so to put, if that can be your rule, if you can have that, like, you know, share that with your mom and that way, like you guys say that to each other, you know, when we had our ceiling collapse because of a plumbing issue, right? My husband's down there and he's looking at it. And I'm looking at him and we look at it together and we both look at each other and goes, Amor Fati. Like, it's just like, <laughs> fuck yeah, we got to do this one. And like, if you can say it out loud, it grounds you, right? And it allows you to just like, remember, okay, this is it. Like, this is where I have to like go from. And it's my mm-hmm. choice moving forward. You know, Victor Frankl says between stimulus and in response, there's space. And it's in that space that we choose our response. And it's in that response that like we have our freedom, right? And so choose your response in a way that's going to benefit you and not hurt you, right? It's how much more grievous are the consequences of anger than the causes of it? Yeah, all the time. It never pays to get angry. The consequences are never worth it. I just watched your, um, one of your Instagram videos on that. was about, yeah, yeah. It was, it was literally exactly what you're saying right now is like nothing good comes out of it. Nothing good comes out of being angry. And that's why people, I think you're saying shit talk in sports because they know nothing good will come out of like the, the rise they'll get at. So that's the reason that they, my mic keeps on (laughs) unclipping. Um, but you know, something else I was thinking too, is like, you also get to choose the people that are around you in your life as well. So like those mentors or those people that were like dicks and you're like, you know what? Thank you. You taught me like what a good boss is and what's not. Well, you can move on and get a new job and learn from that and be better. And it made me think about like toxic, like relationships I had in my life where I constantly saw people judging others when there were things to admire and there were good things and it wasn't malicious or negative. It was just bad judgments and it was just surrounding toxicity. And I think it was impacting me too. And like, I think that's so important too, is like you can make choices and part of those choices are removing things in your life that aren't good communities for you. Yeah, no, and a great quote from Seneca is it says, associate, associate with people who are most likely to improve you. So associate mm-hmm. with people who are likely to improve you. And, and improve you doesn't always mean like that you love hanging out with them, right? I always kind of like question that because like, people can improve you in different ways. And um but making sure that it's going to go to your benefit because, you know, who you, who you associate with and who you are friends with, like 
it, it does rub off on you. And so if you associate with, um, with dirty people, right. Who like is her dirty and not like literally dirty, but, you know, partake in that toxicity that you don't like. And that like, don't be surprised when you find yourself with a little filth on you as well, because yes. it's really true. And, and, you know, I talk with kids about the concept that, you know, it's really hard to, especially when you're younger, you know, if you're in a vulnerable state to stay true to your values when something you're around people who aren't right. And it's kind of like you have a lit coal and a dead coal, right? Either one is going to light the other or the other one's going to stuff, you know, snuff out the other and recognizing, like, if you can identify, have that self-awareness of being like, okay, you know, I'm not in a place right now where like, I will be able to speak up to these people, right? I'm not going to be able to like stand true my values. Then you need to get the hell away, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's really hard to convince people to come to your side. It is. And, and instead of like necessarily trying to do that, it's best to find people who again are going to help you continue to improve. Yeah. I love that, that coal analogy because it's so, so true. I think that's, that's awesome. And Becky, you are just a wealth of knowledge, like all the different quotes you were doing today, the different references and everything. I am just fascinated and you're making me want to like up my knowledge on stoicism. And I know that so many people who are listening are going to be like, how do I get in touch with this girl? What does she have going on? Where does she speak? How can we work with her? So take as long as you want to just tell everybody about all the amazing things that you do. Oh, appreciate that. <laughs> Promote uh, the shit out of yourself. <laughs> well, the thing, what, what I love doing and what my, what my passion is and my, my hope is, is with stoicism to just open it up to a different audience in a sense that I think a lot of, you know, and that's what I try to do every day. Right. So if you're on social media, like Instagram, Facebook's kind of my larger community there. Um, apparently I'm on TikTok. I don't know. My, my intern makes me send her random videos and then she posts them. I think I never get on to check. And so I don't know what's on there, but, um, and then I LinkedIn, I'm trying to figure out too and Twitter, but, um, but yeah, I, cause I try to do my best to apply stoic philosophy to everyday things, right. Through my own stories. And for a long time, Shannon, like I hesitated outwardly like talking about stoicism. And I actually even don't a ton on social media because there is such a kind of stigma again of people hear stoicism. Like it's the least sexy philosophy out there. Like it's hard to be like, hey guys, we're talking about stoicism. And everyone's like, that sounds like fun. No, they're like, fuck no, let's not. Um <laughs> and so to be able to kind of change that that approach on people see it, you know, uh Ryan Holiday is has done wonders in kind of opening up uh stoicism to to the mainstream audience. And so he has a, a good podcast, the daily stoic that people can, you can listen to. I spend my time reading the classics and the ancient works. And I don't read much modern stoic books. I have all of them. Um, so I want to support those authors and I have them available here in my library for people to, to read when they come here. But, uh, to me, as I write my own book, I get nervous ever reading contemporary authors. So I want to make sure that I stay in my own voice. It's just kind of this weird kind of thing I do. Um, but so if people want to learn more about stoicism, daily stoic is where I send you. It's very easy to kind of get, he has great interviews on there or follow me on social media to learn more. And then my website will tell you all, I mean, I do a bunch of crazy things out here, but if you like baby goats too, follow me on Instagram for baby goat videos. Yes. 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys, I will be tagging Becky all over Instagram and in the show notes, you'll see her website link, her Instagram links that you can follow her, stay connected with her and see all the amazing things that she's doing. Um, so Becky, before we close out today's episode, I know that you gave us a ton of awesome, awesome quotes today, but did you have one that you wanted to, to leave for the listeners? Um, I think I'll just stick with the one that I find most helpful, which is the Amor Fati. It's just two words is all you have to remember. Amor Fati, you know, embrace your fate, love your fate. Um, you have that option. You either love it or hate it. So choose to love it. And throw motherfucker at the end. Motherfucker, it helps. <laughs> it really, really helps. Um, and then for you, Shannon, I just thought of this quote that makes me think of you, which is the one that says, if you're, if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And to just recognize like you're enough the way you are right now and trying to like, you know, strive for anything like it's not going to, you're not going to get it. And that's a John Candy from uh, cool runnings says that as a coach to the about trying to get the Olympic medal, you know, if you're not enough without it, you won't be enough with it. And that's so true as we strive for things outside of our control. It's not worth huh. it. I love that. I, I, that is really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was amazing. And it was so great to have you. Awesome. Well, thank you. And I'll be, um, I'm excited to, to hear you again in clubhouse and all your other amazing podcast episodes. So I hope everyone does subscribe <laughs> and then write a review too for you. Yay. Okay. Thank you, Becky. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. All right, my journeyers, I will see you next week for another episode of you got this, the journey, but until then always remember through every high, every low, every positive, every negative, every up, every down, whatever it may be. Always remember you got this. 